0: A and S. I imagine Matthias Nordvig at Viking camp as a not-so-small boy. He sleeps under a thatched roof not quite dense enough to block out the stars. Matthias wakes, shivers, and runs to the water to take his place among the other Danish children, ready to pull at the oars of the Snekje longship the stories of old gods roaring around him like waves. There, facing the mist of the sea, I imagine he feels much like the man he is today, connected to nature, story, spirit, everything. And he revels in the wild around and within him. can't imagine Matthias not making an impression on his students when they sign up for his class Witchcraft and Magic in Scandinavia. A giant of a human who is covered in tattoos and full of endless history and lore, Matthias carries the now and the past in his every gesture and offering. As you will discover in today's episode, he is deeply committed to the care of all things, and he has an infectious way to point others, his students, metal bands, scholars, and now our listeners, toward ways to become better stewards of the earth. I can't imagine a walk among the rocks and the trees and all who live there ever feeling less than a sacred journey with him as your guide. It's a conversation that feels like a gift and the outset of a journey. On the ampersand, we call this bringing together of the impossible, the alchemy of anding. Together, we'll hear stories of humans who imagine and create by colliding their interests. Rather than thinking of and as a simple conjunction in that conjunction-junction kind of way, we will hear stories of people who see and as a verb, a way to speak the beautiful when you intentionally let the soft animal of your body love what it loves. As Saint Mary Oliver asks, what is it you plan to do with your one wild and precious life? Oh, I love this question. When I'm mothering, creating, and collaborating, it reminds me to replace a singular idea of what I think I should become. With a full sensory verb about experiencing. I'm Erica Randall. This is Matthias Nordvig on the ampersand.
1: I did a, a an article on this alt right manosphere uh, personality called Jack Donovan, and I I told him that I was doing research on his uh, material, and um, then I wrote a, an article about him. And that article has been positively received by everyone, including him. From what he's said to me, he feels that it is it's the most fair sort of like scholarly assessment of what he's doing and and who he is wow so that's actually incredibly beautiful that I think so (laughs) yeah
0: because when do we ever all agree exactly especially about hard things
1: yeah and I it's had never. I had very liberal academic colleagues and friends who were like, "Oh wow, you're really calling him out on this and this and this." And I'm like, he, "Well, yeah, <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's my job." <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> and so,
0: and he still felt like he was present in the conversation and not being attacked.
1: Yeah, he he felt that it was a it was a reasonable uh, presentation of how he's thinking. There are things that he was like, "Oh, I didn't actually realize that that's something that I was doing or incorporating," but otherwise. Yeah.
0: So, can you point back? I just want to, because I, in all the information that I read about you, and then we we see a lot of iconography and of of the worlds of I do we want to say Norse. What are the what is the primary um, language that you would use that gets usurped by alt right when talking about your area of research?
1: Well, I mean, what we have is this set of texts, literature telling us about Nordic mythology, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> primarily written in Iceland, but otherwise some of it is also written in Denmark okay. in the medieval period. And this is a, a retrospective type of literature. They're looking back on, well, what existed in, in, in the Viking Age and before that.
0: Yeah, Because it's badass? Well, is this why people are looking back all the time? Not just people who are, are hailing from this land, but...
1: It's. it's <laughs> I love the stance that you're doing. <laughs> I mean, there's definitely a lot of you know people who are like, "Oh, this is badass." Nowadays, back then in the medieval period, okay. it was still cultural currency. Even though people had converted to Christianity, it was it was still really important cultural material that that told these people in Scandinavia something about who they were.
0: But then the appropriation into the alt
1: right world. Yeah. So so what happens next, right? Is that the we, we have a lot of historical interest at different times after the medieval period from the 1200s and onwards. In the 1600s, we have a lot of scholars in Sweden and Denmark who are very interested in this. And this has all, everything to do with propaganda, actually, and the emergence of nationalism in Scandinavia, where, you know, the, Denmark is one empire, you know, it's a conglomerate empire with Norway, Iceland. and. and uh, and then you have sweden that's another empire conglomerate empire with uh, finland sometimes estonia parts of poland and you know even parts of germany and and they're rivaling, and so there's the scholars uh, are trying to come up with explanations for why they're the coolest. And this is where you get my Vikings doing mushrooms.
0: Whoa! From this?
1: Yes. So what you have, <laughs> <laughs> what you have is, uh, a, is a Danish scholar who writes a, 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 a treatise, a, a long academic treatise on just how badass Danish warriors were yeah. back in the Viking. Yeah, Age. We
0: We're cooler than you are, Warriors. Absolutely. Better t-shirts, like Mm -hmm. cooler hair.
1: Exactly. Yeah. 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 And so this is where this this idea that the here, these like bestial warriors comes comes into play as warriors who probably do some kind of drugs and that's why they're bestial. And so this has now become sort of like a standard idea around like viking warriors that they did and there's like no historical there's evidence n- for no it. No facts. <laughs> None whatsoever.
0: But made up in the 1600s?
1: Yes. <laughs> so there we go. <laughs>
0: Just a bad Wikipedia page exactly. in the sixteen hundreds. Yes.
1: yes. <laughs> okay. Yeah, no and so so and then what you have right from that moment on is this link between national identity and the viking age nordic mythology and all that stuff and that then becomes useful in different groups that have very distinct political aims Mm -hmm. and this is where you also see it coming into the the alt-right just like you do with the greek history and roman history as well they i think with the alt-right they're very focused on what it means to be a man like and that's 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 the connecting point. So they look to these old kind
0: of hyper masculine. You
1: know. Well, they are hyper masculining it.
0: They are hy- they're, yeah, <laughs> right. they're verbing it into hyper masculinity.
1: Yeah, but back back then it it was a it was a mode of of existing. It's just how
0: you had to show up.
1: Yeah, especially I would say warrior ideals, right? Mm -hmm. And and not necessarily something that any man would consider being a man really Mm -hmm. (laughs) so so that's also important to consider that a lot of the material that we have from that past has something to do with elite culture with warrior culture not with everyday culture so we have 10% and the rest like the ninety percent of the population, we don't have know much about what they did and how they. But thought. you do. I try to figure it out. At yeah,
0: least. <laughs> yeah. So you don't just stay in that realm of the of the warrior. Mm-hmm. So I love that our conversation just we just went right in. Hi, Matthias. Hi. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Erica. <laughs> this is perfect for us because the first time I ever met you, I told you I loved you in Danish. <laughs> so this is this is just like us to go right in um, deep. And the reason I told you I loved you is because it's the only Danish I know. Yeah. Um, I love when we're sitting in a room face-to-face with one another and I'm, I'm hearing these stories of these myths. And then you're kind of a larger-than-life human. Like when you stand up, you would hit the ceiling maybe a little bit. Your tattoos make you look bigger. You are fitting in this room like this incredible giant who cares about the 90% not just the big Viking story Mm -hmm. and about the land as we walk on it so you're doing this beautiful translation of kind of you show up like someone who I might think is going to just tell me about swords (laughs) but you know things that are a lot more delicate about the heritage of heathenism of living on the land with care of showing up with old way traditions in this contemporary world can you talk about that kind of I mean it's like a living walking paradox from my from my vantage and maybe it's not so paradoxical maybe it's exactly exactly who you are and exactly just what just right so
1: well first of all f- thank you for for this description of me <laughs> it's very flattering yeah well mm, I think like um so many other people have been through different kinds of transformations in in life figuring out who I am and what I am and and how I am and I'd say that one thing that's always been with me is you know love and care for nature and the natural world yeah. if nothing else just in 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 appreciation of its uh, it being there and being a space I can enter and that comes all the way from you know my childhood when I lived in Greenland where there was a lot of nature around you <laughs> <laughs> a a space that is you know even if you're living in an urban space in Greenland you're living in what we would classify as a wild place because mm. there's so much happening that we're not exposed to when we live in urban spaces for instance here in Boulder or
0: Boulder feels like an urban space to you
1: yes absolutely wow. and uh, you know New
0: Yorkers would not tell you this
1: I know I <laughs> I understand <laughs> but for, for context yeah. you, you know the the largest city I've ever lived in is denver i lived there for like three or four months and you know i i've been to cities with several millions of people in them yeah. before but this was the first time i actually lived in sort of like a metropolitan area with a lot of people and and so you know to me that's you know as soon as you have like a little congregation of houses then then it's a city, then it's a city.
0: <laughs> so in greenland you can go for
1: ever pretty much yeah. yeah,
0: and as a child, you did. You had free reign. You could just yes. go into yeah. the world.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, we uh, we grew up with um, hunting and fishing, and you know, camping out there mm-hmm. in 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 what we classify as the wilderness. And the reason I use these w- roundabout ways of talking about it is because I don't consider it wilderness in that yeah. sense. No, I, d- I don't want to make that distinction between civilization and mm-hmm. nature or civilization and wilderness. I I. I I don't um, like that distinction because okay. it it alienates yeah. that that world from from us because, and and I think that's really generally problematic.
0: Yeah. So the, the term wilderness for you is
1: it's 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 either something that gives us an idea that it's dangerous yeah. or allows us to romanticize it to a to an extent that that's I would say is not appropriate. Yeah. And that comes from my perspective that, well, everything in existence is belongs to a kinship with us. Mm. So we 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 are you know r- related to all existing entities out there. Like, so, to, I think the best way to describe it is that if I walk out there in my world, I can encounter a rock and realize that it's a person. Yeah. Like right? so. So that's that's how it works for me. Yes. And so that means that. Well, Going on a hike in the in the Rockies is similar to taking a walk down the street, mm. right? I, I, you're running into people. They're people. Yeah. yeah.
0: You're running into, but you're also walking on them. So what do you do? Are you like, sorry, sorry, love you? How are you? Like, is I mean, because that can be a lot. I think about that when I'm very connected to the um, anthropomorphizing mm. things. Partly, maybe from like this spirit space but also because I can't imagine that I'm more important than these other things are and but it can get exhausting like for you does that do you have that energy that like ah, ah. I
1: I don't feel like a guest no you feel i and i i feel like generally i would say that i i i feel like i belong mm. and so you know, and yeah, I I I totally understand that like moral conundrum <laughs>
0: of walking on your friends. Yes,
1: <laughs> and it, it, I would say that you know in in what i classify as the animist perspective on the world you know relationality that you establish with these different entities out there doesn't necessarily preclude that you can be mean to them yeah. or you kill them for, right
0: this is ultimate ending yeah <laughs> this is extreme but i hear you yeah
1: and and that's what, what, what it really comes down to is is to maintaining balance mm. between, between yourself and, and that community of, of other than human beings out there. Mm. That's something that I also feel that we have generally lost in, a, in our world. This is, I would say, at the root of the climate crisis that that we're experiencing we're seeing you know right now the the east coast is blanketed in smoke right from from wildfires and you know i think if we had approached the world with that perspective of relationality which does not necessarily exclude make like using resources Mm -hmm. but it does require that using resources comes with a high level of responsibility. Yes. And so if we had approached the world uh, like that, then I, I think that we would probably be in a better place.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And so when you're living in a city in this modern world, a city like Boulder, um, which to some is a hamlet, but is a city, how do you stay connected to the wilderness of and tell me if I'm not if I'm not supposed to say it that way, but I'm thinking of the wilderness of and I'm collecting you inside of that, like mm. that you are not separate from. How do you do you do you find ways to to get out in? I know that you don't live in town. You live out in the world. But when you're like if you were walking down Pearl Street, do you still feel the the trees that are down the center line as much as the people, as much as the buildings? Are you is it an always? And
1: I would say so. Yeah. 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 They're always present. At earlier times, I've been thinking about, well, what what is what is this situation of creating an urban space? Well, if you look at the, the way that we have paved over to make parking lots and strip malls and uh, that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. you could consider that a type of violence. Yeah. Uh, violence that that, um, that is directed towards the space, and, and, and it was once a natural space. Yes. Then it became that, whatever we want to call that, that. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and so. What you could expect to find, if you look at it from you know the, the spiritual perspective, just like with humans, what you can expect to find is broken spirit, mm. right? Mm. Humans that have been subjected to violence, whether physical or, or, or psychological, mental violence, right? They also have been broken to to an extent, right? And so, what what humans need in order to come back from that is care. Right, and in the same way, these these um, spaces that have been subjected to our quote-unquote civilization violence, right, they they need care as well. Yeah. Right, ultimately, what what we're living with right now is a world where few people have shown care, and we need more people to start caring.
0: Yes. And you have found the vehicle for your caring is going back into the roots Mm -hmm. of yourself, your life, your family. Mm -hmm. Even though it sounds like you could be an environmental scientist, you could be an urban architect, you could be write well and you do write children's books. I mean that there are so many ways to get at this kind of care. But did you find yours in the classroom or through this particular study because of the, the going into the self or into your history? Or are you looking at it from a psychological perspective or from the, this historical where anger has been held in the stories of...
1: Social, cultural, historical, mythological. psychological, mythological, the whole, yeah. right? And what, I, what I'm familiar with when it comes to going, going to the roots, what I'm familiar with as an alternative way of thinking about the world and an alternative way of of understanding your place as a human in the world is this thing we call nordic mythology i like to call it the nordic story worlds
0: great that's what i wanted from you when i that's (laughs) that's okay that's the umbrella the nordic story
1: worlds yes (laughs) and the reason i like to call it that is because mythology nowadays has sort of like been merged with fantasy Mm -hmm. and these story worlds were not fantasy to the peoples who you know used them in their everyday lives i don't want to say believed in them because that's really in in inessential what is essential is that back in the day People walked around on a piece of land and told stories like these, because they were meaningful to their existence in that plot of land. They, they
0: serve the moment. They of served them.
1: They serve the moment, but this also served the relationship to the land, to the land, yeah, the relationship to the rock, to the tree, to yes. the bird, to, to the fish, to to whatever animal would come there, and of course also to, to the family, right? So, in that sense, these stories are expressions of our human kinship with the world
0: so if you could go back to any land at any time and really be in the world of it you've been in it through artifacts and through stories and all of the ways that you've researched these these worlds where would you go when would you go where would you go
1: oh i would stay right here Oh. I'm sorry to say.
0: Right here in this booth with me right now. Well,
1: yes, because this is my present moment. So, and and the reason I wouldn't go back to something is because I have no no like desire to to enter another era and and expect and. and or with that desire does not come or with the lack of that desire does not come an expectation that that would function well for me okay. because I'm a human of, of this era.
0: So that pulls me into that question about how you use these traditions in your life now. How do you how do you navigate that, what you just said and this notion of what works and what doesn't? Yeah,
1: so... It's know, a
0: beautiful kind of
1: yeah. <laughs>
0: thing to thread.
1: So the, the, the thing is that You know, a story can be loaded up with, I don't know, swords and mm, horses and carts and thatched roofs and I don't know whatever else existed in a space back, way back when. But that doesn't mean that that story doesn't have... What are essentially it, it eternal truths hmm. in a in, in a in a way, right?
0: That truths are not eternal truths. No,
1: they're they're a result of the technological level that they were yes. at, right? And yes. and that's why I wouldn't go wanna go back to anything, because you know, a, I could probably you know do quite well in a in a hut like that. But not so much. N- no, see that that's the thing. There's some people out here that, that, that wouldn't be able to do that well in in a hut like no. that, and and also, you know, I. Uh, Although I've spent a lot of time in, in my teenage years doing Viking Age reenactment and actually stayed in huts like that. You did? <laughs> yes. And, tents and were there and dragons? There were no dragons, okay. at least uh, none that, that, that sort of like materialized. But, others could, <laughs> yes.
0: but you fought them nonetheless.
1: <laughs> yes. <laughs> and, you know, I've sailed on Viking ships and, and that kind of stuff. It was a lot of fun. But I, I don't know what that life actually was like. Like I have an idea, mm-hmm. but I don't know what it was like, and that's that's why I wouldn't want to go back. Yeah. So what I would like to do instead is I would like to take the wisdom that these in, and people had back then and then bring it into our present because our present, when you look at it very broadly, it seems like is lacking a lot of wisdom.
0: Yes. So living in a modern world with traditions is not a that's. There's no, there's no odds there. It's just you're not at odds with that. You just find different ways and the different things that you need. I think that's so beautiful because for so many, I'll speak for myself. So many parts of me thinks like I when I was backpacking in Alaska, I'm backpacking in Alaska and I'm just really doing that and it's incredible and I, I'm with bears and I can see. Does I, but to live in that world, what? How would I get my email done? You know. And so I see them like you were saying earlier, as separate, mm-hmm. and that to pull them together and to realize that you. You don't have to just be hardcore in a hut (laughs) to be connected to things that will then change your care for the world that you live in. Yeah. So, but you don't say that to your that the first day. You're not like you're going to learn how to care. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> <laughs> you just help them into caring.
1: Yeah. I. I mean, when I when I teach a course like Scandinavian witchcraft and magic, what happens is <laughs> is quite often that I, I have a bunch of students in my class who expect that they're now going to learn what kind of potions. They yeah, think, they're stuff definitely like,
0: like the Hermiones of the world. Are they ready if, <laughs> to get the truth?
1: Yeah. So the, here's <laughs> the, the way to to. Uh, Gain riches is, of course, to make a potion with Eye of Newt and a bunch of other things. <laughs> That's no, what
0: they really, they come in.
1: Yeah, there, there are some who, who, who have that expectation. And then what I see once in a while in the FCQs is that they got disappointed because... Um,
0: <laughs> they couldn't make their roommate stop snoring. <laughs> <laughs> exactly.
1: I mean, there are actually, uh, we do read a bunch of stuff like that, like yeah. uh, really curious um, spells and charms. But the whole purpose of the course is, is to teach them that this thing that they think is cool witchcraft right and maybe with the scandinavian part attached to it like scandinavian witchcraft being particularly cool that actually comes from a long history of oppression it comes from a long history of ostracizing different kinds of people at different Times, and it's part of a broader movement of regulating the population, right in the 15 and 1600s.
0: Were many of those female type folks?
1: Yeah, so in in Scandinavia is a little. Uh, different compared to the rest of Europe and not so much Denmark and Norway and Sweden, but Finland and Iceland. In Finland, you have 50 per, 51% male victims of, of witchcraft hunts. And in Iceland, it, it's 99% male. Wow. Yeah, so that's an entirely different dynamic that's yeah, happening is. there. That dynamic has something to do with very old cultural structures that actually have something to do with pre-Christian religion. In Iceland, it's very obvious that the the intersection between magic, wisdom, and the deity Odin is at play in accusations about witchcraft. So, so men are being targeted because Odin is a male deity. It seems so. They are the ones who are also being targeted for you know communing with the devil, right? Because that's what witchcraft is all about. It's a program that's invented in the uh, f- uh, late 1300s, this idea that, you know, the, the horned devil with the goat legs and all that stuff. That, that's an invention from the 1300s in, in France, actually.
0: An invention from an outside eye looking at and saying this is what they were doing, kind of how we were speaking earlier about the propaganda or it was an invention that was a, an actual character that was brought
1: into ritual. So, so it's a it's a character that has, of course, some roots in okay. in in pre-Christian culture. Mm-hmm. You know the the fawn, the mm-hmm. the, the pawn figure, right, mm-hmm. is of course you know part of this. But what happens is that that figure then takes on its own life and becomes an image of the devil, yeah. and when you then have uh, Heinrich Kramer who writes Maleus Maleficarum in the late 1400s so in the witch's hammer as it is called right this guy you know if you look at him his his uh, biography he was a raging misogynist who actually had problems with women like real life problems with women in different ways he was sort of like an incel and 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 then he writes this this program to 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 hunt witches, which is all about women, except for one chapter, which is about men. And he infuses it with this devil figure that he knows from this. You know, he yeah. he is he's operating in the area that is now Austria and and Western Germany. And he has this
0: much power. His language does.
1: So what happened first? Yeah. Was that he tried to pull this off in Innsbruck, uh, in the, the diocese of Innsbruck in in, uh, in in Austria, and and the bishop there was like, "You're crazy." Get out. The bishop called him out. Yeah. The, the, there were plenty of people that called him out. And then Heinrich went to, I think it was Mainz on the on the Rhine, right? And there he found a better opportunity for all of this nonsense. And that, that has something to do t-
0: But he stuck with the story.
1: Yes. And the, and the whole situation was that, you know... In in these uh, bishoprics and 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 other clerical districts in in the Rhineland area, there was a lot of competition between the clerics, and so they could use this witchcraft witchcrafts.
0: This is what it comes down to again: yeah. is this competition? Exactly. And using the stories, the made-up parts that are linked yeah.
1: to old-world stories, and then that spread all over Europe yeah. and became a dominant language.
0: All right, and then let's the horn devil and heavy metal music.
1: Oh yes, yeah.
0: Okay. Talk yeah. to me about this, because okay. you, you, you are an advisor to heavy metal bands, or are you... Mm. Okay, I just need to... I'm like, do you play? I, no, Listen, I, fan? Yeah. Talk.
1: The <laughs> hilarious thing about all of this is that I have no musical skills whatsoever. whatsoever.
0: I couldn't find any online, so I was like, what's Mathias's connection here?
1: <laughs> so, um, I mean, i I am... Yeah, an old time heavy metal fan, I okay. think. First time I went to a heavy metal concert I was twelve.
0: Yeah. Is this a mayhem shirt that yes. you're rocking? Yes. Yeah.
1: Okay. And I and, and in and that
0: Denmark?
1: Yeah, that was in Denmark. It was uh it was Meshuggah. That's like a, a nice death metal thrash.
0: Are you day. listening in your head right now? Because yeah. you
1: started bouncing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> and and like that's I've always been you know somebody who went to metal shows yeah. and, and listening. So
0: you to walk myself. gently on the earth, and then you rage when you're in that yeah.
1: cloud. Yes. yes, yeah. It's, a, it's uh-huh. keeping that balance, balance. right? <laughs> yeah. Eventually. I I started because there's that whole interest in Nordic mythology and and Viking history the iconography the iconography yeah yeah I started um, talking with uh, different you know artists and one thing has led to another and so like I I have done some you know advising and
0: like for music videos or for text
1: or for for lyrics for um, there's a this isn't a heavy metal band as such this is more like sort of a a you know pagan ambient uh, yeah. it's very difficult to define this genre, but they they mix Traditional medieval music with modern music oh, and cool. and you know uh, called found that's German. They, Sounds they, like modern dance from the nineties. There's some of that in there. <laughs> <laughs> they um, they asked me if I if I was interested in, in writing a little bit for for a book that was coming out along with the re- most recent oh, album, cool. and I have done a little bit of. Uh, in, in like social media stuff for another band called Vadrona from Norway and and so, sort of just because i've like made friends with various kinds of artists as well. This band Heilung which is sort of like a, a Danish, German, Norwegian-ish band. Like their members are from everywhere, pretty yeah. much. Like There's somebody from France, somebody from Ukraine as well. So like they, they you, you can't really call them a, a like this particular nationality band.
0: Yeah, but they have a thing that connects them, which is
1: <laughs> yeah, that, that that's like that. I would say pre-Christian history, not yes. not so much Viking, but okay. they actually go deeper into sort of like northern European history in that sense. But yeah, just because I know them and have hung out with them uh, several times, I've also ended up (laughs) having to help them when they've been playing here in in Colorado um, uh, and also actually in Seattle. With a roadie. And just having to help them with like uh, stage props. Usually something made of bone.
0: (laughs) Yes, that's what we want to hear. Just giant
1: (laughs) skulls and stuff.
0: Skulls and bones. Okay, this is a perfect time to come to the quick and dirty, the time when I ask you questions and you have to answer is just fast and you're going to put and in the word or between. I'm sure you've listened to our show and so you know how it goes. Okay. Um, An anding metal band that you would listen to like while you're hiking or writing a book, something that has and in it, like and,
1: and, uh, metal. I think that, could be I um, so I would never listen to something when I'm hiking though okay, but oh good I love but, that
0: you are just in nature that's okay, yeah, great
1: but otherwise I an ending um, a metal band ooh that's a tough one I would say that that would be you know mayhem Mayhem.
0: Mayhem. Yeah. But but you got to say mayhem and. May- it's got to be like bone and skull. Like, uh, you yes, see what I'm saying? Yeah, I know. This yeah. is the hard part of the game.
1: Yeah. The, the problem is I'm so bad at remembering names. So, so, all that <laughs> so make one up. I, yeah.
0: Make up the best bad metal name that has and in it.
1: Like bone and skull. <laughs> well, bone
0: Dragons and <laughs> screaming. <laughs>
1: Hellfire and beer. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> there you go. On that. <laughs> okay.
0: A Danish food combination that is not boring to you.
1: A Danish food combination that's not boring to me. Well, that could be leopoldstai and rålsjul.
0: And that would taste
1: like? <laughs> um, I can assure you that no american would like it okay, sorry, what is <laughs> so it doesn't really have a good translation it's kind of like a liver pate uh, <laughs> but it's more like haggish yeah and and i have really met nobody outside of the scandinavian realm who likes it except for like an, an odd german here and there <laughs> then is uh, smoked herring and so if you combine these two That's it alish. becomes weird
0: <laughs> and becomes amazing
1: I think so. <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> okay, uh, some Viking show shows or movies that really needed your guidance but didn't ask.
1: Well, the show Vikings and <laughs> the Northmen. Really? Okay. Yes.
0: They need some of you. Okay. Um, the best kind of old Norse word that sounds like and or ampersand or is used as the connect a connector conjunction.
1: Ah, uh, yes, and beer.
0: That sounds like and beer.
1: Mm, Yeah, it does, doesn't it? (laughs) Say it again. (laughs) And beer. And beer. Yeah. It means uh, headwind.
0: Headwind. Oh, I love that. This takes us perfectly into our blessing. If you were to offer a blessing up to any community, someone graduating, someone going off on an epic journey, whether that's getting married or into the, into the wild, and it starts with and, and may you or will you offer it for us.
1: May the land's spirits lighten your path.
0: That was Matthias Nordvik, assistant teaching professor from CU Boulder, on The Ampersand. For more of his work in Nordic studies, his podcast, The Sacred Flame, and other amazing things, check out our show notes. The Ampersand is a production of the College of Arts and Sciences at the University of Colorado Boulder. It is written and produced by me, Erica Randall, and Tim Grassley. If there are people you'd like us to interview on The Ampersand, do please email us at asinfo at colorado.edu. Our theme music was composed and performed by Nelson Walker, and the episodes are recorded at Interplay Recording in Boulder, Colorado. I'm Erica Randall, and this is The Ampersand.